P.S. I Love Hoffman is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Iggy Pop! Amen! Let it rock! I'm a fucking idiot. Red meat, we crave sustenance. I'm an artist. Hello, my name is Jimmy Cody. Why don't you have some fun? Fun, fun. Tommy, that's a tape thing. Whoever she is, I'm gonna find her and I'm gonna hurt her. I've spent the past three years learning Finnish! <laughs> I'm always home, I'm on cool. This is a process of dehumanization. Shut, 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 shut up! Hey Haw fans, welcome to P.S. I Still Love Hoffman, our love letter to the remarkable career of the late, great Philip Seymour Hoffman. I'm still Brian Rodriguez. And I'm still Kyle Reinfried. We're always home, we're always uncool, and we're always ready to talk about Philip Seymour Hoffman and all the wonderful things that his legacy has given us. Isn't that right, Kyle? That is indeed correct. Now, if you haven't been paying attention, you might have been like, wow, you guys slacking off, you missed a... You missed your mid-month on the 15th. Wrong. (laughs) No, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) Because we announced this change. Uh, It was like something that's easier for the network, and we didn't mind either. We're we're team players. I think that's fair to say, Kyle, that you and I are team players. I'd like to think so. I mean, I know every once in a while I uh, give people a hard time, but... That's just me. That's uh, the more the more you're irritated by me, the more I care about you. <laughs> but I I think a team player can give someone a hard time. Yeah, you ch- you challenge them exactly. You know? Challenge them, and maybe we challenged the Hoff fans yeah. this uh, month or so because, well, it was a very challenging poll, more challenging than I thought. But we'll get to that. <laughs> just just a reminder: we are now releasing on the first Monday every month. And, of course, the third Monday of every month, which is today. So, well, as of the release date. You could listen to this at any time. You get it. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the first and third Mondays of every month, you'll hear from us. Yeah. Kyle, we had a very busy month, actually. Very busy time of the year. And these mid-months, sometimes we're like, I don't know. There's not a lot of news. But whenever it's like award seasons... That's when we get a lot of stuff. Some great stuff, yeah, definitely. So if you're listening to hear the winner of our crazy, crazy poll that pitted two polarizing films against each other. Not polarizing films, but compared to each other, you know. Yeah, which is, just the true juxtaposition of both and just like what they were in his career. Very <laughs> different. Very different. And we asked you Haw fans on social media, whether it be on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, we asked you guys, you know, what do you want us to watch February 1st? Whether it be Capote, whether it be Along Came Polly. I know, Kyle, as much as you like Capote, you were rooting for Along Came Polly. Uh, it's going to be a, it's gonna be an interesting one. So we're going to save the answer to that at the end. And before we get into all this great Hoffman news, just want to remind you that you should hit that subscribe button, whether you're listening to us on Spotify, on I almost said iTunes, but it's not. Apple Podcasts. Apple Podcasts, yes. (laughs) Google Play or Stitcher. If you're listening to us on all those great platforms, hit that subscribe button. Maybe give us a five-star review. Maybe, you know, write a positive review or, sorry, I meant five-star rating. You know what I mean. 
Yeah. And it's not about us, Kyle, right? No, it's, I mean, you know, we're just trying to, uh, you know, keep up this uh, this man's legacy. And uh, it's, a, it's a strong one. I mean, it might not even need our help, but it's just us showing our appreciation for his performances. Because God knows there's some of them that are just, that help help me out. Sometimes I, I need to watch a performance of his to make me feel better or to make me just feel you know, I don't know, I'm not trying to get all sappy right now, but not feel, like, alone sometimes, or, like, he's just, uh, a man that just played a lot of, uh, vulnerable characters, and just really, like, you know, very open and out there, and I appreciated him and his, like, you know, raw performances. Absolutely, and something we discuss a lot on this show is his potential performances, whether they be today or during his career, because mm-hmm. there's always, like, rumors of, of, roles he would have played and actually like through digging through the news cycle and finding all the Hoffman stuff worthy enough for this podcast I found an interesting one that I'd never heard of first I'll ask you a question Kyle because I don't know the answer to this have you seen the Howard Stern film Private Parts I have multiple times I enjoy it okay okay I figured you did but it's nothing we We've never really talked about that film, and I know that sounds weird to other people, but we've talked about a lot of films, so I figured it would have come up in the decade plus that I've known you, but, (laughs) (laughs) you know, a lot of films. Yes. So, uh, if you recall, there's a character in it played by Paul Giamatti, the great Paul Giamatti. Yeah, Paul Giamatti. (laughs) I don't know, that sounds like Little Nicky. (laughs) No, but they have, I know what you mean, I know what you mean. Uh, We love Paul Giamatti on this podcast, we talked about him a number of times, but... I guess most on the Eyes of March episodes. In Private Parts, like, Howard Stern's nemesis is played kind of by Paul Giamatti. Yeah, he plays, like, the uh, like a radio station manager, I believe, or something like that. For, uh, oh, is it for CBS? He's like, w- no, WNBC, WNBC. That's Howard Stern <laughs> trying to... He is not being a team player at first, but then he realizes maybe he kind of has to be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's an underrated film, honestly. I think at the time, people were like, ooh, Howard Stern, controversial. But it's I think it's like a good a, biopic. It's, it's, it's interesting. Especially, like, on a world... Like, we've seen so many film biopics. Yeah. But, like, a radio one, it was pretty cool. I mean, and, and Howard Stern, like, yes, very controversial, but, like, I mean, I think at the time, probably more controversial in terms of... I think we've yeah, well, evolved it's like a society, shock, you know. Shock jock radio. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, regardless, so that Giamatti role, um, he was one of two choices to play that. The other choice, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Not Jack Black. No, not Jack Black. <laughs> so, so if there's like a, a, you know, that like less or more V, like turned over V sign. Yeah. If the, if there's one of those in this era, I guess it was like Jack Black all the way at the end, <laughs> then Philip Seymour Hoffman, and then Paul Giamatti. Yeah, yeah, exactly. At least for this film, I guess, beating him out. So I thought that was interesting, and I could totally picture that. I don't know about you. Yeah, I th- I think so. I-, I could see, like, Howard, like, him playing along with, like, Howard Stern, and then, like, Howard getting, you know, under his skin. I, that would have that been fun, but nothing towards, like, Paul Giamatti, the person, but he just has a bit of, like, a snaky like uh used cars uh salesman like vibe to him in a lot of like he just he just does that really well and just like the the manager that 
just what the character ends up doing in that movie. I mean, he's pretty he's pretty perfect for for the role. Yeah, I'd say so. But we have seen Hoffman play roles like that in the past. I'm thinking Punch Drunk Love. You know, not yeah, no, that's a little that's more true. intense. But you know what I mean. Like he yeah. can play the sleaze. Yeah, it's true. I would yeah, I would have it would have would have been interesting to see what he would have done with that. And I don't recall. Do you know off the top of your head when that movie came out? Ooh, uh, oh, 1997. It's from the article I'm reading in the Hollywood Reporter. Uh, Betty Thomas was the director, and you know she just kind of was talking about it. <laughs> the article is called, nothing to do with Hoffman, it's called Private Parts. Director Betty Thomas recalls crush on Howard Stern. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's a young, you know, Philip Seymour Hoffman, 1997. That's Boogie Nights, you know? Like, that's, that's like Twister right before. That would have been interesting to see. Because Paul Giamatti, I mean, he definitely looks young in that film because it's 1997, but I, I'm sure he must, must have like a few years on... Philip Seymour Hoffman, so I, I'm just like imagining him in that time, and like definitely seems like it would have been like the younger manager that has like something to prove, you know? Maybe, maybe. I mean, it's nice to see though that he was even being considered for roles at that time. Like he wasn't an afterthought, is my point. Yes, definitely. Yeah, and that's before. I mean, if it's if it came out in 1997, that is before Boogie Nights was, which was really, as we know, you know, a breakout role for him speaking of early roles we just had a 20th anniversary of one of his arguably another one of his early breakout roles maybe not a starring role but one that i think a lot of people like started to notice him because this was a big film a- any any guesses kyle what 20th anniversary we magnolia just oh was it that's not what i was thinking oh i think it was magnolia i'm pretty pretty sure <laughs> i mean i'll have to go further in my notes let me see magnolia release Oh my goodness, I was not even aware these two films that I'm talking about came out the same month, weeks apart. I was going to say, because I was pretty sure I just, yeah, like, yeah, release date December 8th, 1999 for Magnolia. Yes, I, but I there was one right after. Oh, okay. Magnolia, uh, two weeks after. Hmm, uh, ha- hap- happiness? No. The Talented Mr. Ripley. Oh, Tommy, 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 Tommy. Can you believe that Magnolia and The Talented Mr. Ripley came out weeks apart? That's Great crazy. Year. Great So year. they both celebrated 20-year anniversaries. I was going to say more, um, well, Magnolia is more of a performance for him, and it's a classic P.T. Anderson. I think at the time, The Talented Mr. Ripley got more mainstream success. Oh, definitely, yeah. So, yeah, I wasn't even thinking Magnolia. So huge then, 20, 20 huge 20-year anniversaries for these early career Hoffman films. And a lot of places, and yeah, now that I look at my notes, a lot of places were both talking about Magnolia and Talented Mr. Ripley. So, I mean, pretty cool when that happens. These anniversaries are great times to revisit. But you know what? You guys have not voted. Well, we haven't put Magnolia on the ballot, but we've put Ripley on the ballot a couple times and it hasn't won. Yeah, that's that's right. I mean, Magnolia... I don't know, we, we, we've done a couple of long long films, and that's like, you know, that's an up there one. So I think we need, I, I need like a, a lead up of like a couple of brief ones and then really deep dive into Magnolia. Absolutely. I mean, uh, not that we'll I don't bring want on to a do third it. person to help us out with that one. <laughs> I would just love another person because that is just a film, especially the opening of that. I mean, it's a, you know, it's an out there film. So I love hearing people's perspectives on it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, we haven't had someone else for our rewatches, but I wouldn't mind it, especially, again, for a long one like that. Again, not that it's bad, but that one is long. But Ripley, I, I think we'd have a lot of fun with Talented Mr. Ripley. Yeah, I, spoiler alert, I mean, you know, he, he, he dies in that film. I'm trying to <sighs> think 
if that's like in Magnolia, you're saying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think if that's m- like mid midway. You know, it's after it's after Dicky. I'm just trying to think act wise. Like I was just tr- gonna say, like we get him up to a certain point, but it's pretty far into the film, I guess. I would say it's pretty far into the film, and it's really the inciting incident. You know, not the inciting incident. The uh, I think the the straw that breaks the camel's back. Yeah, because like yeah, people see him like yeah bringing the body and that kind of stuff. Definitely. So uh, there's this website called The Stranger, odd name, right? But they have this, okay. they have this great, uh, I guess, what do you call them, a column, you know? I don't know. I, when I think column, I think of it so, you know, newspaper-y, not so much website-y. But they have this column that I love that's called Unstreamable. Mm-hmm. And it's something we've discussed, Kyle, in the past, and I've certainly discussed on my show, High School Slumber Party, that there's this, like, maybe... Two percent of films that you can't stream anywhere. Oh. I mean, we've discussed it here, like the ones we had to get DVD, like The Yearling or uh, what was Strangers with Candy. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's just weird to think that, like, while you know, tangible media is being kind of just like pushed out, and we're just streaming a lot of stuff. It would be awesome. Like, I, I would love, I don't know, for someone to curate just like a ultimate like digital place to you know rent a uh rent rent a movie you know it's not like a streaming service that you pay monthly for that has the rights to them but maybe you just like rent it digitally i mean most p- movies today are trying to get that yeah um, but i'm just yeah all these obviously the past however many decades of films now you know and roku has a great thing where you could just search it and it'll tell you what it's available on which is awesome but there's another Hoffman film that I did not even realize was unstreamable. Maybe it was at the time, but do you recall how we watched the film Happiness? How we watched the movie Happiness? Mm, I don't no, remember I any don't. trouble, but apparently it's not streamable right now. <laughs> I mean, it's something that, I mean, I remember we had uh, Ann Poss on as a guest, and she was able to watch it too. Oh, actually, now that I recall... It was unstreamable because we all had to watch it through nefarious means. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which is perfect for that movie. Absolutely. Uh, you're not going to believe the headline, but you probably will, <laughs> of this article. That's how it like, you know, caught my eye. <clears throat> now, guys, I'm quoting. This isn't my language. The infamous movie with Phyllis Summer Hoffman and tons of cum. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yeah, so I, while I was searching the uh, the news, if you will, that that caught my eye. We'll just say that. <laughs> um, it's a great yeah, article, so. too, by Ch- Chase Burns and Jasmine Kemig of The Stranger. So how about you, Kyle? Any uh, other eye-catching headlines of in the Hoffman world that you saw? I hope Well, the like Godfather that. himself sent it. We've got a little uh, group chat on uh, Facebook Messenger called Hoff Bros., appropriately named and he sent us an article from the playlist talking about the best film performances of the decade and i think it's it's oddly it's like they started they did like 63 i'm looking at the article again because i was curious how many there were and i from the first page i see it's like 63 and it starts with james franco and like spring breakers guess what their hoff fans our main man psh came in number one with his performance in the master i'm so happy the people at playlist have you know i know they're waiting for it but they have my blessing they have my my love (laughs) my appreciation 
Um, the yeah. Academy evidently didn't. No, no, they didn't. Uh, he again lost to Christoph Waltz for his performance in Django Unchained, pretty oh, much that, the good guy version of Hans Landa, which he won Best shit. Supporting Actor for in 2009 for Inglorious Bastards. Oh my god. Still gets me mad, but whatever. That's yes. why I don't watch award shows. But yeah, just pretty cool. Uh, let me just see right now. You know, it just says, Philip Seymour Hoffman's turn in The Master is not, in fact, the actor's final performance. That distinction goes to The Hunger Games, Mocking J Part 2. But we always, we weren't exactly sure, because then also at the end you had, like, God's Pocket and all those... So, I don't know where... Yeah, final performance is a little bit tricky, because what yes. does that mean? Like, when he shot it, you know? Yeah, exactly, when it was release date and stuff like that. So, I mean, yes, I think by Hunger all means, it, def- it definitely... Date, w- but... Yeah, de- it definitely wasn't the master, so we know that. But, and yet, many cine- cinephiles view Hoffman's galvantic work in PTAs... I, I abbreviated Paul Thomas Anderson there, but obviously it didn't matter. Yes. Paul Thomas Anderson. <laughs> Honestly, if, if you found yourself on this show, you probably know what PTA means. Yes. <laughs> uh, P.T. Anderson's evocative par- parable about faith and his l- quote-unquote last performance. Uh, yeah, uh, so it's just, you know, I mean, a quick little... I mean, it's like a couple paragraphs. Maybe we'll, we'll, we'll share that uh, along when we this episode comes out maybe on Facebook or whatever. It's just, you know, nice to see. I mean, before that, it's uh, Mahershala Ali for Moonlight came in number two. Um, Isabel Huppert? I'm sorry, I actually don't know her. Uh, In L? I don't don't know that (laughs) actress or movie, so I apologize. Kate Blanchett in Carol. Lupita Nyong'o in uh, 12 Years a Slave. So, you know, Kirsten Dunst in Melancholia. Those mm. are all, you know, Javier. Definitely a curated yeah. list, but I do agree with number one for sure. And actually, a little bit of master news where someone else ranked it number one. Let's backtrack a little bit, Kyle. Sure. You know, you know I'm a Friends fan. You know we've discussed Friends on your podcast, on the great Thanksgiving episodes on foodie films, which, you know, I enjoyed doing one of the most fun times I've ever had podcasting. <laughs> Those were fun. Two episodes, seasons one through five, and then six through ten. Check them out, guys. Well, Netflix waved bye-bye to friends. Well, not their fault, you know. But Yeah. You know, December 31st, and, you know, sometimes I'm tweaking, sometimes I'm binging. You know, looking to binge, I mean. Sometimes I want to watch my friends, and I'm like, oh, no. I got to wait till HBO Max comes out, and it's $15 price tag. Yay! But... Until then, you know, Netflix did add some new stuff, as they always do. And guess what? They added The Master. So if you... <laughs> I know there it's very go. different to Friends, but if you're a Hoff fan, you're going to want to <laughs> see The Master, you know, if you have Netflix. And IndieWire, which is a site I really like, said that was the number one movie added on January 1st oh, to Netflix. Oh, very cool. I also saw uh, The Invention of Lying was added. So if you want to see Philip Seymour Hoffman but not really <laughs> speak at all in like two minutes check out the invention of lying with uh polarizing and quite finally his last time hosting the golden globes ricky gervais yeah yeah that's all i gotta say about that (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah so one last thing i'd like to bring up is that we are lucky enough to have interacted with phil singer hoffman's sister uh, via social media and his sister emily is uh you know just 
always writes very nice things, and she commented, I believe, uh, when we just posted about which films to vote for, you know, which are uh, Capote and Along Came Polly, how her son, so Philip Seymour Hoffman's nephew, said to her uh, recently, oh, what was that movie that uh, Uncle Phil was in with the guy from Zoolander? <laughs> and that just... That's amazing. Number one kid. I'm kidding. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna correct uh, <laughs> uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's nephew. Zoolander, awesome movie, and that is Ben Stiller. And he, and and uh, you guys, you guys know, I, you know my love for Along Came Polly. So uh, that's just awesome. I love hearing Uncle Phil. Yeah, and it it's, it makes me feel old too, right? Yeah, like, yeah, it would make yeah, sense that, for yeah. Kid, well, that really that to too. Know. Yeah, Zoolander came out in like 2001, 2000. 2001, because. Yeah. It was like the movie of the weekend of September 11th. <laughs> That's how I remember. It either came out the Friday before or the Friday after. Yeah. If Phil Sernerhoffman was going to be in that, imagine him as Mugatu instead of Will Ferrell. <laughs> <laughs> I take it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so that's just, I mean, it's kind of a special moment that's obviously just between, like, their family and talking about Phil Sernerhoffman as Uncle Phil and, and his performances. But thank you very much, Emily, for sharing that little uh, tidbit with us, because that's just, those are the special things that I, I, I love hearing. Definitely brought a smile to my face. But I'd have to say, Emily did not reveal a, a dog in the fight for this, what turned out to be an epic battle between Capote and Along Came Polly. So a little background of why we chose these films to, you know, put on the ballot for February 1st. Capote. I mean, I don't think we need too much of an explanation here. He won the Oscar for this. It's award season. The Hoff fans have been clamoring about it, clamoring for wanting to hear us talk about Capote. It was one of my favorite episodes. I think, yeah, it was our good friend John Harden on that one. Yeah. And I've wanted to revisit it because Bennett Miller is a director I tend to like. Uh, we saw and we talked about Moneyball. And I don't know. Uh, what were your thoughts on Capote? I, I love Capote. I remember watching it like, you know, right around that time of uh, 2004. Because um, he won. Was that when we were seniors in high school, juniors in high school? I think it must have been when we were seniors. I don't know, either either way, that is like the point where I mean, I was full fledged. I'm like, I'm I'm a film nerd. I love it. I take in everything and like definitely paying attention to award season. Not for you know the clout of this one award, but obviously they tend to be pretty good films and films I might not have heard of, especially in in that time. It's not like we were just going on the internet all the time and learning all these things about films so if they weren't in the big you know movie plexes by us we, we didn't really know about them so anyway um i remember watching it when it came out and just not knowing a lot about truman capote but it definitely made me want to learn more and it, it's just a performance that uh, really really transformative i love love his relationship you know Cap- Capote's relationship with Harper Lee, but Phil Seymour Hoffman's on-screen performance with Catherine Keener, so good. Uh, It's just a, it's a heartbreaking movie, heartbreaking role, performance. It's, you know, it's truly him, him winning Best Actor. There was a lot of competition that year, but just, it's fantastic. Yeah, for sure. And again, it's a long time coming for us to do Capote. The other film... Also a long time coming. 
It's Along Came Polly, and I know, I know, it's not everyone's favorite, but we enjoy it. I know, Kyle, you've been championing this film for a while. It's One not of the, the greatest gr- comedic performances of all time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you said it right there, your feelings for this film. And we chose it because it is a love story, not too many Philip Seymour Hoffman romances. And, you know, Valentine's Day is coming out, February, the month of romance, right? I don't know. You know, it sounded like something good to do, and yeah, and we're and we're giving it like you know a second chance, just like all all, all people looking for love deserve. You know, or a third, or a fourth, or a fifth. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else you want to say about Along Came Polly? Except that, even though you like both these films, I'm sure you were favoring Polly. Yeah, I just want to say, make it rain with them results right now, Brian. <laughs> okay, Kyle. Well, the results are in. Wow. Like I said, this was a barn burner. This was a close one. Sorry to break your heart, but the winner is Capote. <sighs> and not yeah, by a lot, not, too. It's, it's, not, it's, not, I'm not, it's not that I'm not looking forward to talking Capote. It's going to be great. But, guys, it's not even Valentine's Day yet, and you're breaking my heart. You're breaking my heart. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Yeah. Will well, there's... Polly ever win? <laughs> we'll have to. I don't know put it up against something that nobody know. I don't know. That would be a true testament. Put it like we should look up to see what was his worst reviewed movie of all time. Not necessarily, obviously not probably be because of his performance, but just his worst reviewed movie of all time. And like, or most obscure movie that no one's seen. So why would they vote for it and put it up Joey against Breaker. it? Joey Breaker, probably Schroeder, <laughs> uh Or the, yeah. The, what's the other, that early one, the getaway or, you know, yeah, a bunch of those. And, uh, yeah. It's truly an underdog now, and I, and I root for the underdog, so... Not always. Not like Philly in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. But anyway. <laughs> okay, congratulations, Capotes and the Hoff fans that voted for that. I am very much looking forward to watching that and talking it with you, Brian, because it is, it's, a, it, it's an amazing... It's not just an amazing performance that he deserved Best Actor for. It, it's an amazing film. Couldn't agree more. Uh, can't wait to talk Capote. We'll see what we can do about Along Came Polly. But can't wait to talk Capote. And that'll be, sorry, I'm scrolling through my calendar because it's not the first of the month anymore. That'll be on February 3rd. Not too bad. First Monday of February. February 3rd. You and I will reconvene and we will watch that together. Remember, we already talked about Capote, as I mentioned, with John Harden. But this is a rewatch, guys. So you can watch it along with us. We're providing audio commentary. Or you could just not watch it and hear us talk through it which is fun too because i mean i do that sometimes on rewatch podcasts like if i'm on the subway i'm not going to watch the movie along with the people but you still uh it inspires good conversation and i'm sure capote will as well yeah like i said can't wait to watch it can't wait to uh you know just like comment it on the, uh, the way we do i'm definitely gonna I'm going to see what kind of maybe special features the dvd i have it on dvd so i'll have to go get that to you know, have it all ready for us to watch. I'm sure it's probably on some streaming platform, but I'm realizing more and more it's just, you know, nice to watch it from a hard copy and I'll have to see what kind of special features there are because it's a, it's a movie I I, I, uh, I really enjoy. I mean, Truman Capote in, in a film sense of his own and his screenplays and everything like that. So just a really great movie. Couldn't agree more. Um, it just reminded me of one uh, fact I heard about the Oscars, actually, that's tangentially related to Philip Zimmer Hoffman. Did you hear that... This is the first time in a while that there's a category where everyone's already won an Oscar. 
Oh, uh, no, I didn't hear that. Which what category? It's best supporting actor. Oh, okay. Uh, and, and when I see, read these names out, you'll be like, oh, obviously. So Tom Hanks for Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, Anthony Hopkins, The Two Popes, Al Pacino, The Irishman, Joe Pesci, The Irishman, and Brad Pitt, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But Brad Pitt has won, like, producer, not for actor, though. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I just said win Oscars. That okay. All Oscar oh, winners. okay. That's, like, that's it. That's still, that's very interesting. But I, I um, was just thinking, like, everyone, uh, well, I'm rooting uh, not, not only because Brad Pitt hasn't won, you know, well, and I guess those guys haven't won best, Tom Hanks has always won best actor, not best supporting actor. Hopkins should have won Best Supporting Actor, but that's a different story. Yeah, and Pacino won. So I think I think Pesci's the only one that won Best Supporting Actor. Yeah, yeah, no, because even even you know, Scent of a Woman, right, was actor. Yes, I mean it is a movie about both of them, so I'll give you know it's like kind of Chris O'Donnell and Al Pacino. But yeah, so besides the fact that Brad Pitt is the only one that hasn't won for a performance, he is 100%. That's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is my favorite film of the year. So let's go Brad Pitt. Now, you might be like, again, Brian, why are you bringing this up on a Hoffman podcast? Because the last time it happened was also in Best Supporting Actor category seven years ago for the one we talked about, the one that Christoph Waltz won for Django Mm -hmm. Unchained. Because obviously he won the previous year. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones was nominated for Lincoln. And I think, honestly, he was the favorite that year between the two of them, Hoffman and Waltz. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, of course, the master, as we discussed. And, of course, he won for Capote. But the aforementioned Robert De Niro was nominated for Silver Linings Playbook. And Alan Arkin was nominated for Argo. And he had previously won. So... That was a stacked category, and you know what? That was a pretty stacked year. Maybe I was just watching a lot of film that year, but like that was an Oscars. I probably watched all the films, and this one I'm like, yeah, I have seen like one or two. So different time in my life, different time for movies. <laughs> yeah, no, it was a pretty good year for movies. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, who who takes away some of the you know the big uh, the big awards. Yes, you're more into it than I am. I'm. I like the Golden award. Globes more, not because they like the awards mean something, but I like seeing celebrities getting drunk. If they have Ricky more fun, G- they're more like relaxed about it. If they picked better host, I might agree with you, but I haven't been cool with their host <laughs> selection. Well, next and, year's uh, Amy Poehler and Tina Fey. So, and honestly, like, uh, yeah, Mean Girls, you would think I would like that, but it's like we've seen this already. Like, I want different hosts yeah like that that would be nice like let's get some new hosts in, in there like i'm just everything's for the money that's what it makes it well, academy awards is no longer two, two years in a row now no host so it's either because... that or they should uh bring bob hope back from the dead <laughs> maybe i don't know <laughs> i like hosts i really do like hosts I don't like this no host thing just because it's... I like hosts, too. They just need to trim the fat. And by fat, I don't mean, like, the stupid ideas of the Academy saying, like, let's combine the two editing awards or or sound awards. I think they're doing... You know, it's just... I don't know. It's a a whole mission. Exactly. This is why we don't talk about it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's so silly. It's so silly. Anyway, it was a pleasure, Kyle, to discuss all this great Hoffman news. This was a big one. This was a fun one. Yeah. Uh, Why don't you tell the... Hoff fans out there, if they don't remember for some reason, where else they could find you here on the Cage Club Podcast Network? You guys can find me on Foodie Films. And Foodie Films, if you do not know, is a podcast in which it started out that I was talking only food-centric movies, 
which are great, and I still do those episodes, but I've been having a lot of fun and getting great responses to these kind of second episodes called First Cut, and it'll be like First Cut, Pat LaFrieda, First Cut, Dan Churchill, and those are people that have, you know, work and have achieved a lot in the food, drink, uh, you know, industry, service industry, and uh, recently I I just got back from a two-night, three-day trip to New Orleans, my favorite city, especially for food and music, and I recorded five episodes, so in honor of Mardi Gras, which, I mean, Carnival and Mardi Gras season technically has begun, but during the month of February, because down there they really start up their parade and everything so the every wednesday in the month of february i will be releasing a first cut episode from which i recorded in new orleans and the first wednesday of march which is right after fat tuesday and is ash wednesday so that will be those those five wednesdays you'll be hearing great individuals from the uh you know all over uh new orleans and i can't wait because i had i had a blast again i love my i love that city it's really starting to feel like a home away from home and getting to know people down there um and i just had some really special conversations so can't wait for you guys to listen sounds exciting definitely excited for that and of course you can check me out on high school slumber party which i talk about high school films you know films that take place in high school and you know we just uh, released our 90th episode so wow mazel tov you know, plowing through to 100 it's going to be an exciting year it has been an exciting year so can't wait and can't wait for february 3rd when we talk about capote things are going pretty good in 2020 so far so far so good we'll put it that way <laughs> all right kyle why don't you take us out all right guys stay uncool Sex a thing, sex a thing, you. I believe in miracles. Since you came along.